I just think it's really, really important that our church at this point in time, in this season of its life, uh, be reminded of what the Lord would want us to be learning here. Dallas Willard uh, said this, Currently, there is much interest in spiritual disciplines and the process of spiritual formation. This derives from a realization that recent standard practice of North American Christianity is not meeting that need. Many serious and thoughtful Christians are looking for ways into an intelligent and powerful Christ-likeness that can inform their entire existence and not just produce special religious moments. Many serious, thoughtful Christians are looking for ways into an intelligent and powerful Christ-likeness that can inform their entire existence and not just produce special religious moments. I fear that most churches, hopefully not ours, but I fear that most churches are full of people whose relationship with God is largely built on some kind of a special weekend experience. God has much more than that in store for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, English Standard Version. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Notice, the Apostle Paul is about to pray here. He bows his knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul says, I'm praying for you guys. And I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with power through his Spirit. Paul is not praying. I pray all of that all of you have a really powerful spiritual moment on the weekend. That's not Paul's passion here. Paul's passion for us is that we will have a strength and power that comes from the Spirit to know Christ. And Christ dwells in our hearts. But notice the pathway to this. Paul opens that door in our lives through the vehicle of prayer. Through the vehicle of prayer. John chapter 1 and verse number 12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. If you have received Christ, if you believe in Christ, if you've become a follower of Christ, guess what you are? You are a child of God. 
Because of what Jesus did for you, you have received the right to become. We have received the right to become children of God. I think that's awesome. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. When you placed your faith in Christ, what did you become? A son, a daughter. Son, a daughter of God. Think about that. Think about that. The creator of all things, the God who has always been, looked down and he says, I want you, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. Wow. Love Romans chapter 8. Verses 15 and 16. When you became a Christian, you were placed in Christ. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You don't have some master that you need to live your Christian life out scared to death of. You have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Friends, you have received uh, God's adoptive work in your heart, and so we cry out, Abba, Father. It's a childlike saying. It's a saying of endearment. Some versions would say we cry out, Daddy, Daddy. Father, Daddy, Father. We, my friends, are gathered, if we're Christians tonight, as children of God. And we approach Him and we say, Daddy, Daddy, Father. Let's pray. Father, the last thing any of us want to happen now is for us just to hear a little talk and maybe write a few of the thoughts down. We want spiritual illumination here for you to come by your spirits and reveal yourself afresh to us. So come, come Holy Spirit, and minister to us and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. You have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father I want to say two things about being a dad 
I say that as someone who uh, now has 43 years experience as a dad. The first thing, and this has always been true, but I think as your kids get older, it becomes even more true. There's nothing that brings joy to a dad's heart like the kids dropping over. There's nothing that brings joy to a dad's heart like the kids dropping in. We are sons and daughters of, <laughs> of Father God. Nothing delights Father as much as you getting to points in your day when you say, <laughs> who cares what else is going on? I'm going to go hang out with Dad. Nothing brings joy to Father as much as, and Mother, as the kids dropping in. Second thing I'd like to say about uh, being a father. And of course, my assets are limited. My time is limited. But, but with that being said, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my sons if I had capacity to help them. I'd like to help all of you, but at some point I'll run out of capacity. But my sons come a phone and are come a knocking. There are sons. And they matter deeply to us. And there's nothing we wouldn't do to help them. Father loves it when you come to him. But he loves to bless you. He loves to help you along the pathway of life. He loves to make sure your needs are being met. And unlike me, he never runs out of what you need. He's always got what you need. We haven't received a spirit of adoption that causes us to fall back into fear, a spirit of slavery, sorry, that causes us to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. What we believe about God, my friends, What we believe about our relationship with God determines how we live. This is important.
this is important. We need to have a deep revelation that God has loved you so much that he has chosen to adopt you as his son and as his daughter. And he loves you deeply, wants you to hang out with him, and wants you to come to him with his needs. Stuart uh, Alpine, who uh, is a fellow at the C.S. Lewis Institute of Learning, put together a chart, and I've taken not all of it by any means. We'd be here till midnight if I did. But the difference between an orphan heart and a heart of sonship and he says, if you've got a heart of sonship as opposed to an orphan heart, your image of God, you see God as a loving father. You see God as a loving father. You don't see God as a master. You don't see somebody who, who you have to be a slave to and you're afraid of how he's going to respond to you, what he's going to demand of you. Your image of God if you have a heart of sonship, is you see God as a loving father. The next thing uh, Alpine said uh, is it affects our self-image. We see ourselves as sons. We have a po we're positive and affirmed because you know you have such value to God. You matter to God. You matter to God. You're his son. You're his daughter. You matter. Some of us who are earthly parents know that our sons and daughters matter to us. You matter to God. If you have a, a sense of... Uh, Man, I've just been left alone. No, but God doesn't care. He's just a mean master. You'll have a lot of self-rejection because you'll be looking around all the time and comparing yourselves to other people and saying, well, they seem to have more than I do. They seem to be loved by God more than I do, whatever comparisons you make. Your self-image in God is resting in this revelation of, uh, of God's love for you. Third thing uh, that he says is uh, your image of God affects your security. If you don't understand, if you don't understand you're a son, a daughter of God, you're going to feel insecure. There's going to be an absence of peace in your heart. But uh, if you understand Father loves you <laughs> and Father will do anything to help you out of the abundance of his riches and glory, if you understand that, no matter what comes up, what's in your heart, rest in peace. Why? Because you feel safe and secure in the Father's love. 
our security as Christians comes from having a heart of sonship or daughtership, if there is such a word. Next. Your theology is affected by your revelation of God's love for you, that you're a son and daughter. If you have an orphan heart, then you'll uh, live by the love of law. You'll have rules for everybody to keep, and you'll have rules for yourself. And man, I got to keep the rules for everything to be going well. But if you feel secure with your father, you live by the law of love. Ah, everything's going to be good here. Daddy's here. Daddy loves me. Daddy loves me. Next, sense of God's presence. Conditional and distant. If you don't realize you're a son and daughter. But... Uh, there will be a closeness and intimacy if you realize that you're God's son. I don't want to diminish my relationship with Donsey. She's a precious, precious gift to me. But the most real relationship in my life is with Heavenly Father. I talk to him more than I talk to anybody. <laughs> I spend time, more time with him than I spend with anybody. See, he never leaves me. Every once in a while she goes shopping. He never leaves me. When things come up in my life, I find myself <laughs> first and foremost going to Father and saying, thank you, or Father, what now? It's my first place. It's my first response. Why? Because I'm his son. My son. Lastly, it affects our view of authority. If you've got an orphan heart, you see authority as a source of pain. You're distrustful towards it and lack a heart of attitude of submission. But if you're comfortable under the Father's authority, you're able to apply it to the other aspects of your life. And uh, you see others as brothers and sisters and ministers of God working for the best in your life. You see, the government is actually in place because of God's choice and God's decision. So this whole thing um, about understanding we're praying to Father and my judgment is huge. Ephesians. Is that the next verse that comes up? Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 14. If it's not what comes up, I'll bring it up again. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the 
Father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the... I bow my knees before the Father because of my understanding of who he is. My understanding that God has a great deal of affection for me. Do you understand that this evening? Have you got that revelation in your heart? Father really loves you. Father really loves you. And then you've also got this. So, so what's Paul doing here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14? What's he doing here? He's bowing his knees. Why do you bow your knees before somebody? It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of recognizing their authority. So you've got this tremendous affection for God. You, 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 you bow your knees before him. You recognize uh, his authority. You have assurance that he's looking after every detail of your life. And so when we get to prayer... Uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 2, we read this. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Almighty God, When you pray, say, Sovereign Master. When you say, when you pray, say, King of Kings. No, when you pray, say, Father. Now, I want to be crystal clear here that, at least in my judgment, I think I have pretty good theology. And what I really want to emphasize to you is that saying Father is not an issue with, with the Godhead. I tried to emphasize this last weekend, but I I want to revisit it again. Father is on his throne, and he hears one of you pray to Holy Spirit. Father doesn't jump off his throne, run down the office hallway, open Holy Spirit's office, and start banging him on the head and say, would you get busy and get those Saskatoon nuts to stop praying to you? None of that exists in the Godhead. There's no jealousy. As a matter of fact, they're perfectly willing to process your prayer even if you start with Almighty God. The reason we pray, Father, 
is because our position is one of sons and daughters. Now, I admit every once in a while, one of our sons tends to call me Pastor John. But normally, when my sons are talking to me, they call me Dad. Why is that? I've got lots of other things I do. I've got other titles. But I'm their dad. And when you pray, Father, Jesus is saying, say, Father, not because they need to hear it in heaven, but because you need to pray in the security and affection of the Father's love for you. You need to focus on the fact that you are loved by, by Father. So Moses is out for a walk one day, and when he's out for this walk, he sees a, a bush that's burning. The bush is really burning. And then uh, he watches it more closely, and he's getting confused because while the bush is burning, the bush is not getting any less uh, smaller. It's not disintegrating. It's staying there. He says, how can something burn and not disappear? The bush wouldn't burn, so he comes up to uh, the bush, stares at it, and God begins to speak to them and speak to him and calls Moses to be the leader of the nation of Israel. And in leading the nation of Israel, uh, Moses says, no, don't want to do it. Not interested. He says, well, you're, I'm calling you, Moses. No, no, don't want to do it. He says, they're not going to believe me. Not going to believe that you've asked me to do this. They'll ask me what your name is. I don't even know your name. He says, well, I'll tell you my name. So Moses gets the revelation of God's name in Exodus chapter 3, 14 and 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered through all generations. So there's this revelation here in Exodus chapter three, verses 14 and 15. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. What's his name? You got to know his name. I'm dad, but it's good if my sons know my name too. What's God's name? 
Uh, it's revealed here is, I am who I am. Eyah, asher, eyah is how it goes in the Hebrew. It could also be translated, I will be who I will be. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. Israel's wandering through the nation of, or through the wilderness. And man, it's no fun in the wilderness. There's no food to eat. There's no water to drink. Uh, it's hot in the desert. And Israel's spending a lot of time grumbling. And then things get worse. The Amalekites show up to fight them. And Joshua is leading the Israelites in war down in the valley. And Moses is on the mountain. Interesting thing happens here. When Moses' hands are up, guess what's happening in the valley? Do you know the story? As long as Moses' hands are up, Joshua is prevailing in the valley, the battle's being won. Now, we could have a contest here. Anybody want to play with me? How long can you keep your hands up? Five seconds in the back. Anybody go for seven seconds. I mean, at some point, this is exhausting. And Moses would have his hands up and then can't do it anymore. And when his hands went down, <laughs> everything changed in the valley. All of a sudden, uh, Joshua's losing. Israel's losing. So they noticed this pattern. Josh, Moses puts his hands up again. Everything's okay, but he can't do it forever and ever and ever. Even in worship, you can't do this forever and ever and ever. No matter how spiritual you are, this is tiring. And uh, so Aaron and her come and get on one side of him. And they hold his arms up. And as long as his arms are up, <laughs> they're winning down there. And of course, the story uh, is one of victory for the nation of Israel. When the battle is done, we read this in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15. Moses built, built an altar and called the name of it the Lord is my banner. That's English Standard Version. Uh, King James Version, for those of us who are over 55, who've probably heard of that version. Uh, Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Hmm. I am who I am. first revelation in scripture of the name being applied, I am who I am. I am Jehovah Nisi. I am your banner. When you pray, you hold God's name as hallowed. Hockey season has started. Every once in a while, if you're watching a game on TV, the cameras will go up to the roof line of the, of the ceilings of the arena. And there's a bunch of banners up there. What's the banner always signify? Championship. Lord is our, our banner. He is our 
champion. And so we know his name and we have to, in the circumstances of life where there seems to be a whole lot happening down there, we don't run down there to fight. We get up on the top of the hill and we raise our hands and we trust God and we say, Lord, hallowed be your name. I know in this circumstance you are Jehovah Nisi. You're my banner in battle. I'm not going to go nuts here. I'm just going to rest here and I'm going to trust you, Lord, in the battle. Let me... uh, Let me give some application to this. A.W. Tozer uh, said the greatest loss of the modern church has been the loss of reverence for God himself. Many of us like the idea of father. Father loves me. Some of you have more trouble processing that because your situations were different. But many of us become a bit disrespectful of Father God. So we say, Father, hallowed be your your name. What does hallowed mean? To give proper consideration, to honor as pure and holy, to let God be true and every man a liar to revere as real and present, not as I was, but I am. We hold God's name as hallowed. That is the exact opposite expression. It's the flip of the coin of one of the Ten Commandments, which says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Now what does vain mean? To rush over, to regard as useless, to think, ah, there's nothing to that. That that doesn't matter very much. An attitude that places no value in something. So when you go into prayer, when you go into prayer, you have two choices. And the first one is you can try to enter God's presence taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. This isn't important, this, this first part of learning to pray. Father. Say, Father, hello. That, that part doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to get to asking for that new car. We need a new car around here. You can rush over that. It's your first choice. Or your second choice is you can enter God's presence every time regarding the name of God as hallowed. And if you knock at the first door, the result will be faithless, ineffective praying. If you learn to knock at the second door, the result will be confident, effective praying that avails much. So Jesus here isn't interested in us 
learning perfect words. He's wanting to teach us how to pray and how to pray effectively. So the last thing I'm interested in at this time of and season of ministry is giving you more information on prayer. What I'm interested in is God stirring our hearts so that we will be people of prayer. And I think um, I'm just going to take a minute here tonight like I did last week and, and show you what this looks like. I told you I have two places I primarily pray. That was probably not true. I have three. I wander around this sanctuary. Um, I go for walks in the outdoors. And I have a favorite chair in our family room. Prayer doesn't happen accidentally, friends. You have to do it purposely. It has to be a rhythm. It has to be intentional. Father loves it when you sit down and say, just dropping in. Just going to spend some time. Father loves that. Do you want to bring joy to Heavenly Father? Oh, that doesn't matter. I got too much to do. I think maybe if you've got too much to do, you need to get rid of something you're doing. Honor your father. Honor your father. And so when I go to prayer, I, I just sit down and, and I begin to enjoy father. So listen in as I just pray here a little bit. Father in heaven, I'm really, I'm really delighted right now to just be able to come and sit with you and, and tell you that I love you. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you love me. Lord, I don't deserve to be loved. There's nothing special about me at all, but... You've taken me as a son, and you treat me as a son. I thank you. And Lord, I want to show respect to you today. I honor you today, O oh God, as Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who's the banner of my life, and you're my champion, Lord. I don't know what this day holds. I know I've had enough days where things have changed very quickly because of a phone call. But Lord, whatever this day brings, I want to be talking with you, Father. I want to be in touch with you. I want to remember you. I want to honor you as my champion. And Lord, whatever comes today, I'm not going to let it stir me up, rile, cause rile to 
be created within me. I'm going to going to trust you because you're my dad and dad you've got whatever this day holds I honor you Lord I honor you Father no one matters to me more than you do Father you're beautiful to me Father you're so faithful so full of mercy so kind I love you Father I love you, Father. Friends, prayer is not rushing into a request list. Prayer is basking in your affection for the Father and honoring him and holding him as hallowed. To invite you to stand now and just join our worship band and as we sing would you just take the next few minutes to hold God's name as hallowed hold his name as hallowed worship him honor him